Matt, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just doing my old uh, McConaughey impression uh, from Wolf Wall A little Wall bit of Street. Wolf of Wall Street, huh? Oh, yeah, you know. Making some money today. We're talking about finance today. So, you finance? know, I really got to I got to no, get that finance. energy. Please never call it finance. It is finance, stocks, money, investing, savings, getting y'all rich because we're going to be rich. We want to help you guys get there, too. Mix it today, up. In a pot. We're going to mix all the money in a pot. It's a money pot today, isn't it, Matt? Exactly, Alex. And we're going to start that money pot right about now. So, Alex, uh, first things first, before we can start buying stocks, I think we got to get the money first. I mean, so hey, let's get the axe and let's go cut down some money trees. Cut down some money. You know what? Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. I just love that quote. That's all you need to know from the movie. That's really all it is. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> What kind of money you got, Matt? What kind of money are we talking today? Uh, I think we should probably start with savings because savings is good when you fall in on hard times like COVID. Oh, certainly. So just to lay out this episode a little bit, we want to make sure that we're providing some good quality content and really some good information and tips about how to save your money and then how to use that money to make more money down the road. All these basic investing tips that are coming from two guys who obviously not experts, but getting there. We are certainly practicing it on our own and practicing what we preach a little bit here. And we want to make sure that we have a good solid base, especially for people in our shoes, young professionals, college age students, recent grads, everybody kind of in that young professional bubble that is really looking at the future and what this world is going to become, especially in the financial sector. How can we start preparing ourselves now to make sure that we're financially stable in the future and set up for what we want down the road. So I think first things first, you got to look, you got to get a little nest egg going. And a lot of questions come up of what is a good nest egg? And honestly, it's a fair question. Or just how, I mean, how do you start saving money in the first place is a common question among college age students and young professionals, because you, you start having a lot more expenses than you normally would when you were from high school. I mean, you have rent now. You have to pay utilities on at your apartment or house sometimes um, with that rent. You have to buy your own food. You're paying for your own gas. Sometimes you're paying for your own cell phone bill. You might have to be paying for school. You're taking out loans. There's a lot of extra expenses here, Matt. So I think we really need to uh, start. You're right with that nest egg. How do we start building that? And how do we get some good savings tips so we can start that nest egg while still having money for all of our other functions in life? You know, a little tangent here. When I was at high school, I thought $40,000 a year wasn't a lot of money. And then I graduated college and I found out that was actually a lot of money <laughs> because, you know, jobs that pay more than $40,000, while they're great, they don't grow on trees. So, um, you know. I mean, it's a great, it's a great area. It's a great range of salary 
to start out with too. There's obviously bigger and better jobs out there. And there's obviously bigger paychecks that everybody wants to shoot for down the road, but coming out of college, you don't have to have one of those 80 K plus jobs. That's going to really set you up. You're going to start on the lower end of the scale. That's what, that's what life's about. That's what growing in whatever organization or business or industry is all about. So we want to make sure that you have those tips, you have those practices down by the time you get to that point where you're making bigger paychecks. That's what this episode is going to be all about. Matt tip number one that people, you know, I'm, I don't think people are going to like this tip, but I think this tip is very effective and it gets results pretty fast for the first year after you graduate college or move out on your own, live with your parents, work a Uh, full-time job. Oh no. I know it sucks, but you save a ton of money in rent. You save a ton of money in groceries and after the first year, you're going to be, you're going to have your nest egg set. You're going to be good. Well, that's a great way to start. I mean, yes, you save a lot of money with your parents. That's not always the case for everybody. So a kind of a counter tip to that, if you're not going to go live at home with your parents, like Matt did. So <laughs> sorry, I had to call you out there. Call so, me out, whatever. Yeah. I'll take it. So it's okay. That's, I mean, that's a, that's an option. That's definitely an option. And sometimes that's the best option to take for a little while. Go live with your parents, save some money up that way. Cause you know that they're going to be able to help you take care of things and they're going to take care of the uh, living space. So you don't have to, that's a, that's a one less expense. And overall it's going to help your family. They're going to help them because they're not helping you pay extra money elsewhere. But if you're not going to go home and live with your parents after graduating college or after you're taking a break from home or whatever you want to do, then my suggestion would be to live like a college student for a couple more years. So that's my, that's my uh, tip of the day or my, my first tip. Um, Alex tip number one, we're going to count these off. Apparently something that I really do is, and this, I mean, this kind of goes back to the first episode of our podcast where we talked about adulting, but it may not be the best diet, but you can still have, you can step up your diet a little bit, but still have a kind of a college level diet and save a lot of money that way. So you're making sure that you're really buying, buying the deals, buying the smart, easy things to cook at the grocery store. You're not going in for ribeye steaks every single week from Hy-Vee. You're not buying just the filet mignon. You're buying a pork chop. You're buying a ham. You're buying sandwich meat. You're making simple meals. You're still living like a college student where you want to budget your items. You want to budget your grocery list. You want to budget your activities outside of work, outside of school. So that way you have a lower expense rate and a lower list of expenses than you would if you try to go full adult too quickly. But Alex, what if I want to go to the bars with my friends? I mean, you can still go to the bars. You just don't need to go to the bars Friday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday and spend 50 plus bucks a night. You can go so to the saying, bar. Do it Saturday, go to yeah. church hungover on Sunday. That's an option. Yes. But is I that mean, the best option? It's better than Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, if days you go to free. a church that gives you free coffee, then now you that? just solved your hangover problem. And you only had one night of partying, so you saved two nights of money. That's true. See, I mean, yeah. See, just that's pick, a tip right there. Just pick, just pick a day. Like, okay, Friday nights, that's my night to spend some money. Again, that goes back to what we want to start with overall. 
is just some nice general tips on how to start building that nest egg, how to set some money aside every week and every month, and then subsequently every year and just keeps growing and growing. How do you start that day one? I mean, we can start it in January 1st. We got the new year coming up, but it's better to start now. If you haven't started yesterday, you might as well start right now. And so I think something like that is starting with a budget, making sure, you know, okay, maybe X amount of dollars per month, that's going to be my grocery budget. X amount of dollars per month, that's going to be my regular expenses. So gas and rent and things like that. And then X dollars a month are going to be my fun and like wild and crazy nights, like fun spending money, like go to a concert, go into a football game or basketball game. Uh, when COVID's done, going shopping and buying myself a nice jacket or buying myself some new shoes. You can set aside money in each of those three categories. And even just starting with those three will really set you up with a great budget and a great way to start seeing and tracking how much you spend and then help you build that nest egg by setting money aside each week. I think um, one really good tip here is everyone is going to have to pay for insurance. Unless you're going to break the law, which that is also a strategy, but not a good one. Not I don't the, recommend Not the it. best strategy, not the strategy that we are going to encourage, Matt. We are do, you not want going to, to, do you want to hear a fact? I, I'm not sure that I do, but I will. A guy in Toronto drove around without a car registration for 14 years. How? Because he didn't buy insurance or anything on his car, and then he got a hundred and twenty dollar fine for it. That's How crazy it? is that? Yeah, I know it's only hundred twenty dollars because he didn't have a registration. They didn't like backdate it the whole time. So the How did article get, writer. How did he was not like, get caught after fourteen years? They're not really sure, but. The article writer was like, I think he was definitely worth worth the risk, although he was driving around uninsured, which is kind of a menace to society. So <laughs> Okay, yeah. Please do assault. not please do not be like this guy in Toronto, everybody. Don't you have do to that. pay for insurance. Insurance is gonna be one of those things you have to pay for. It's a life expense. It is a guarantee like death, taxes, and insurance. I mean, you gotta pay that. You gotta make sure that's checked that box is checked. You can find some great rates. I mean, hey, State Farm, get the Rogers rate or the Patrick Price or whatever they're calling Actually, it Actually, so I <laughs> find cheaper rates at Farmers Mutual Insurance Farmers Companies. Mutual, yeah, there's, I mean, Geico, save 15%. We should just sponsor us. All the, all the insurance companies should sponsor us on this podcast now. I think you'll find that most of the time you'll actually get a better rate from the smaller farmer ones. The bigger ones are better if like um, you're really looking for quality and service. So if you're on the move a lot, you know, you travel for work, something like that, then, you know, the bigger companies start to make more sense. They're more on their feet. They're more flexible. But if you stick around to one area, it might just be better to stick with a cheap insurance because yeah. the quality of service is going to be the same from State Farm or Farmers in that area for the most part. Yeah. And setting aside again, the legal piece of it, you really just need to have insurance because you don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes crazy things happen. A bad things happens. You get your laptop stolen out of your car. You crash your car. Uh, you have some, someone breaks into your house, or your apartment. 
you don't want it to happen. You never think it will, but sometimes it does. And it's good to have that insurance coverage. So just check that one off. Make sure you're finding one that fits right for you, is a good coverage for you. Talk to the agent and go through the questions with them. That's one thing that is really probably the downfall is people don't always know what's covered and what's not covered in their insurance. So go through your whole procedure, go through the questions and really find out what is going to be covered, what's not covered and what is best for you in your situation. My next tip for savings is don't sleep on antenna television. Don't, don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on antenna I don't I don't even want to hear this Matt. There's so many streaming options nowadays that are No, but antenna is free. Yeah, but like antenna is free. So you get streaming, right? Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Okay. So you get streaming. You get your Netflix. It's like $15 a month. Okay? Or or you can use big brain move. You get Disney for like $25 a month. And then you get Hulu and ESPN. And then you can get your ABC, CBS, NBC games on your antenna for free. This is the move I did in college. That's fair. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great ways to save money when it comes to TV and streaming and internet. Obviously, those are kind of a given. I would say, just kind of sidetracking off of yours, don't don't go cheap on internet. I know it sucks to pay a little bit more sometimes, but there's some things in life you can't go cheap on, and internet is one of them. I would agree, but but coax, you're really not I don't think you're really gonna see a difference if you do coax instead of fiber if you can do that. Because I saw a very significant difference. The greatest day of my life was when I switched from Spectrum to Aloe here in Lincoln. Did you know that if you're so if you got a generator for it was actually cheaper too, so which is bonkers, but that's a different issue. If it's cheaper, then no brainer. Yes, it was better internet and it was cheaper. So did you know though? So if your house, say your house loses power, but you happen to have a generator, you will still not have internet because fiber doesn't actually carry electricity through it to like power the internet. Whereas if you had coax, I think you would still have internet. So if that matters to you, which I don't know why it would. It doesn't. It really doesn't. You know, this is kind of one guy that it does matter. That's going to blow his mind. Okay. The one guy. Yeah. I'm going to call this, I'm going to say that these were probably our two worst tips of the podcast. And hopefully we only get better from here. I mean, they weren't that bad. Okay, let's focus. Let's focus on okay. how do we set that money aside, Matt? That's what that's what our listeners are looking for. You're really how do gonna we set want that money stop. aside? You're gonna want to make your own food. If your parents have a Sam's Club or a Costco card, um, oftentimes you can get a free family card, so you'll get a basically a free membership to those places. Yeah. So or you, you could do, or food. you could do a, a Costco card with your roommates. Um, I wouldn't actually recommend doing that because you're not going to buy enough food for the savings to make it worth to you. I don't believe because the thing about those kind of business models is, um, you would think that if you bought a Sam's club card, you would save that money, but there's a reason that they make you pay a hundred some bucks up front. It's because that's how they get you. Yeah. They're always trying to get you, Alex. They're always trying to get you. 
there's no such thing as a free lunch. That is what is my, no such thing as a free lunch. That is one. That's the tip. I mean, that's what my finance teacher told me, uh, Dr. Lin. And I just, I always took that to heart because there's always going to be some money out of a pocket somewhere. And there's no such thing as a free lunch. Very, very true. There's often times that you think you're getting free lunch, but you're wasting your time. That's what you're not thinking about. If you go you to can... the timeshare activity to get oh, the free gosh. ski oh, lodge gosh. trip, okay. you know, we're not, we're time. not covering timeshares today, Matt. We're not. <laughs> that being said, though, if there does happen to be free food at an event and you are able to go to said event, definitely take that offer. I mean, free food, free dinner, anytime you can get it, always jump on that bus. Uh, if it's a situation where you can definitely snag some food on the way home or things like that. But yeah, I, I would totally agree. Definitely try to make your own food again. That goes back to my grocery tip where you don't need to be making steak every night. But again, grab a pork chop, grab a baked potato, grab some French fries. Like You can, you can still eat some of the foods you like, but also grab, again, a head of lettuce, grab some broccoli, grab some vegetables too. You want to make sure you have a balanced diet. We've talked about that before. Don't completely just go chef Owosu on us and like make sure that you're or try to be a five-star cook, five-star restaurant. Still eat and kind of cook like a college kid for another couple of years. You'll save a lot of money that way, especially at the grocery it, store. It's okay to get the lo mein box noodles too. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, it's yeah, cheap. Exactly. The frozen Chinese meals, frozen pizza every once in a while. It's okay. I got box noodles at Sam's Club. I bought 12 of them. I thought they were going to be mediocre. They were effing amazing. They were so good. I ate them for like every meal for a week. <laughs> okay, maybe don't do that because that sounds a little unhealthy, but you could. It saves it, money. It, it saves money. That's right. It saves, saves money. money. That, that's it the goal. Money. That's the goal. Save some money. $12 for a week? I dare you to beat that. Yeah. No, again, I, that's something I think, I think is really important is stretching out some of those meals. So if you're going to buy, if you're going to buy fast food, like, if you're getting a Qdoba or Panda Express, something that has really big portions, you can save that. You can split that into two meals. You can do that pretty easily. Uh, if you're going out to a restaurant, you can split that into two meals. I would say try to shoot for like a 3 to $4 cost per meal. Yeah. That's going to be like your sweet spot. If you're starting to hit five and over, I'd say you're in the splurge area and you might want to try to cut back. There's always room for splurging, but the key is to start that budgeting and start tracking your expenses. Know how much you pay for things so that when you start making money, you can keep and maintain a rough estimate of what your expenses are going to be. And you know how much of that, how much of your paycheck, how much of your money that you're making is going to be able to be set aside or used for other functions. I think you should also not sleep on credit cards. I'm oh, not. certainly not advocating to get into debt although that's what good americans do so think about that oh good but not everybody needs you, to be a quote-unquote good american there <laughs> hey good americans good america good old-fashioned american debt i guess right, so credit cards they will give you a one percent off discount minimum most of the time in a good rewards program that's one percent of your expenses off that's pretty significant yeah, I mean, everything spending... adds up. Everything adds up when it comes to money. So that's one one tip I would recommend is just 
really, again, focus on where you're spending those, where you're putting those expenses and what money you can pull out each month or each week for yourself to set aside other directions. And a credit card helps with that because you can easily track how much you're spending. Every time, like I went and got gas earlier today for my car. I slide my card, fill up my car with gas, hop in, start driving away, and I get a beep to my phone and it has the exact price that I paid. So you can easily track what you're doing with your credit card. The key is to start building that credit with the credit cards. Don't get in debt, but start making sure you pay that off. Making sure your monthly payments are on time. Even if you have to go under the amount that's on the total bill, but just again, chip away at it as best you can, making sure you balance out that book at the end of the day. So another good tip I'd say is to move away from brick and mortar banks. Say when you first got a savings account, your parents hooked you up with a credit union in your town. You really wanna think about doing some online banking. For example, say you had $10,000 in your savings account, which is a pretty sweet savings account. And your credit union pays you 0.1%. That you're only making $10. Is that really worth it a year? $10? That's like 80 cents a month. But if you go to an online bank and they pay 1%, now you're making $8 a month. So in two months, you'll have made more over than the course of a year on a credit union. And $8, I mean, that's that's like food for a day almost right there. Again, yeah, that's something that I think a lot of people underestimate is picking the right bank. And I would definitely encourage you to look at some online banks as well. I have an account at Wells Fargo and I have an account at Ally because Wells Fargo is just for my quick money. That's where I started my banking and that's where my checking is and all the whatever. But their interest rates are terrible. I would make, I think, roughly four pennies in a year on my savings account at Wells Fargo if I left my money in there. Moving it over to Ally, you can get some substantial money. And Ally is just one of them. There's a lot of other banks out there. But definitely look at those interest rates, like Matt said, because you can make a lot of extra money for your account that just slowly builds up over time. And your savings, that can be something that you use for a rainy day. That can be an emergency fund. That can be for a future house, future car, a big purchase, something like that down the road. You want to keep growing that. It could be paying off your student loans, paying off big debts later on down the road. Try not to touch that until, I don't know, maybe mid-30s and 40s at the earliest. But if you're buying a house, maybe you can use that a little earlier, a chunk of it earlier. But always make sure you're setting aside some each month And again, finding a bank that gives you a strong rate, that's just going to build up your uh, account even faster. Um, A lot of online banks too, they offer you free ATM fees. So they have deals with a lot of ATMs where they don't charge you any fees and they'll refund it to your account. Yeah. And coming from someone, this this is my newest tip of finance and money. Coming from someone who is just a diehard cash person, and I still love cash because it's just quick, easy, and untraceable. Note the untraceable part, Matt. But cryptocurrency. Okay, gosh, we're not going there yet. That's again, and a whole nother episode. <laughs> Anyways, I I have always liked cash because it's quick and easy. Everybody knows what it is, and everybody can use it anywhere. You don't always need cash, though. You probably need it for the bars and birthday cards. That's about it nowadays. Everything else can be done with your phone. It can be done with your card. 
And I would just, I would just run it that way. Um, I recently got into Venmo also very worthwhile. I, I was a big doubter for a number of years. I didn't trust it. And I, I definitely regret that because it, it would have saved me a lot of extra headaches in past years, but a lot of ways, I'm sure many of, many of our listeners are already doing this, but cash is not as necessary as it used to be. And you can make things go a lot smoother and a lot quicker if you got a card. Yeah, I was also a Venmo doubter for many years. And then um, I did it and I was like, wow, this was like stupid easy. Why did I not do this earlier? Yeah. I figured out PayPal's doing it. Yep. And I was like, oh, so it was safe the whole time. And I was just an idiot. <laughs> Same. That, that is exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I told myself. I'm like, wow, this is, this was a couple of wasted years of really easy opportunities <laughs> and really giving my friends some headaches. So. I'm so, I apologize to all of my friends who always asked me if I had Venmo and I didn't. I, I sincerely apologize right now. So now that we've saved enough money to invest, how should we invest it? And I, what amount should we do? And what the hell are stocks even anyways? Yeah. How do we take that savings that we've built with the budgeting, with setting money aside each month, and again, build a system that works for you. Now, everybody's going to have a different paycheck every month. Everybody's going to have a different system. So find a system that works for you. But I always think a solid 20 to 50%, somewhere in that range of your paycheck should go to savings each month, if possible. You can, again, it varies for everybody that can go, again, that ranges from a fifth to a fourth to a third to half. So you got a wide range in there in that percentage but tank a good chunk of money and set it aside every single month, every single week if possible, but especially every single month when you get that paycheck. And then again, make sure you cover all your expenses, make sure you map everything out. But now that we have that savings built up, what are we going to do with that extra money? How can we get money faster, Matt? How can we make more money? Yeah, I think I think you should start investing after you've saved up at least three months of your expenses preferably three months of your wage. Six months would be super ideal just in case something really hits the fan. But now you well, really that, want That to... kind of leads into a side question there. What's a good emergency fund? A good emergency fund, I would use your savings account. If you start investing, um, you really have to take into account that that money is not necessarily liquid. And when I say liquid, I mean, you can't just take it out. Like I can't, it's not a checking account. Yeah. You can't spend that money very easily. Depending on what you do. Get it through the system and then, then you can start spending it again, but it's, it's locked in for a while when you start investing. Yeah. Depending on what happens, you you could be where you could sell if you needed it and then you could have the money, but you know, you may take losses. I don't know. You can't think of that money as being there when you need it. So you've really, that's why the savings account was your good emergency fund three to six months. I find ideal six months is like the best, especially after COVID. I mean, you know, you kind of, kind of learn that anything can happen. Um, Recessions aren't short. Actually this one apparently was, but for a lot of people, it's not, you're still feeling it. Yeah. There's there's, I mean, stock wise, the recession isn't short, but the impact on people's pockets job loss, things like that. COVID really highlighted a lot of issues that some people don't have enough money saved up. And even if they do, it might not be enough for what it should have been because we're still in the middle of this. We're on month nine. So 
if you had that three or six, three to six months, you're short by half a year to three months now. So you really want to make sure, like Matt said, wait until you have a solid nest egg, a solid emergency fund and savings account built up. You're still taking care of your expenses, any loans or debts or anything else you have to take care of. You're chipping away at that. Make sure you have something solid on the side before you start tossing your money at investments because as great as investing is and as great as stocks are where you can make a lot of money if you're doing it right, you can lose a lot of money. You can lose a lot more money if you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you'll lose. Luckily with stocks, you'll only lose what you invest. You can't lose more. Okay, that, that's true. I spoke that bad. That's you can the make, only nice you, part about You can make a stocks. lot more money, but you can definitely, you will definitely lose a lot of money too if you don't pay attention and know what you're doing. So if we're going to invest in stocks, it's really good to know what the hell a stock is. And basically, a stock is a piece of paper that says, I am a shareholder and I have rights to this company. What's a shareholder, Matt? A shareholder is a person who essentially bought this block of equity in this company. And Quote, while you air, don't air quotes have... around block of equity, folks, air quotes. Block of equity. The company doesn't actually have to do anything for you. They could not pay you at all. It's just uh, you technically have a share. For example, Netflix never paid a dividend. Makes no sense why Netflix is worth whatever billions of dollars because they've never actually paid their investors anything. So people are just saying, well, I own Netflix. And then somebody else is saying, well, I want to own Netflix. I'll pay you $100. And then he sells it. And then the next guy comes along and he's like, oh my God, I want Netflix now. I'll pay you $200. And then they sell it. And that's how people are making money on Netflix right now. The normal way to make money on a stock would be like JP Morgan. I have a stock of JP Morgan. JP Morgan says, we are so grateful that you shareholders buy our stock that I'm going to pay you 2% dividend for the year. And you go, okay, great. I'm going to get 2% for whatever. And if you increase earnings, theoretically, my dividend will increase. But it's really important to note here that um, companies don't owe you shit. <laughs> you are a common stockholder. A common stockholder. You are on the you. bottom of the totem pole when it comes to payouts. Bottom of the totem pole is correct. You say a company is paying, I don't know, 25 cents a share for a year. And then the next year starts and they say, we're done with that. We're, we're not doing that anymore. You're screwed. You don't get any money out of that. You're like, you don't get like, you can't accrue anything. Now, if you're a preferred shareholder, there's two types. There's common and preferred. Preferred is when you actually accrue a dividend. It's stated in your share that you get paid a dividend. So if they don't pay you for 10 years, they can't pay their common stockholders until they pay you what you're owed. Yes, and a dividend is going to be when the company pays you money because you have stock and you have purchased stock in their company and they're like, hey, we want to give you money because you gave us some money. And your next question is probably going to be, Matt, this system sounds really stupid. And it is. Uh, that's just the way our society built this stock market. But now you can use it to take advantage and make more money. How great is that? 
Yay, capitalism. <laughs> Yay, capitalism. Thanks, think, George Bush. I think we found our episode title. <laughs> so, now that we kind of know what a stock is, how should why? I start doing this? Hold on. Before we go with how, why? Why is a good question. Because you have a chance, chance, Alex, of making more money in the future. How much of a chance, Matt? Uh, it depends on the stock. Uh, there's a lot of different stocks out there. We'll kind of go into more detail later on the different types, but there's penny stocks. And then there's the pink you know, sheets. The pink sheets. The pink sheets. <laughs> Those stocks are complete gambles, and most of them you're not going to make any money on. But there's other ones where you know you got your startups, which are huge gambles. You got your mid caps, which are kind of meh. I don't know. They they could go either ways. But then you got your blue chips like your Coca Colas, your like Frito Lays. You know, you're just huge companies that you know you're buying the products, so they're probably going to stick around. I would think a good amount of money to start investing for these kind of stocks is um, probably start small, five hundred dollars or less, not too crazy. Buy a share or two. I would always suggest. Starting with what you are comfortable losing. So if you, that's one of the, again, one thing we mentioned with stocks, you can make a lot of money, but you can lose all the money you put in pretty easily. So start with a set of money or start with a a bundle of money that you are comfortable losing. If you think that you can afford $500 loss, that's okay. If you think you can afford a $3,000 loss, you can put in $3,000. That doesn't come until you start building that nest egg that we talked about earlier with budgeting and setting money aside. Yeah, that's a really good point. When I first started investing in college, I uh, I was kind of, I was pretty young. You know, I kind of just, yeah, I thought it was pretty hot shit at investing. You? No way. Yeah, it was me? I, I, I know it's really hard to- This guy? Hard to, I, it's hard to understand, but I was. Uh, so I kind of just assumed the money would start rolling in. I was like, I'll just buy the stock and the money's going to come. Money's coming. And you just waste a lot of sleep with that mentality. The best mentality I found is when you put that money in your investing account, assumed you've lost it. Assumed you'll never get that money back. Yes. Assumed you just threw it down the gutter. Yeah. So that, that kind of ties me back to your intro where you're talking about Matthew McConaughey and the Wolf of Wall Street. He talks to Jordan Belfort, a.k.a. Leonardo DiCaprio, who should have won an Oscar for that movie. Totally different argument, but I just needed it to be known. So in that scene where Matthew McConaughey is talking to Leonardo DiCaprio, he explains that anything in the world of stocks is a fugazi. It's fake. Yeah. It is not real. It does not matter. All that money does not exist until you pull it back out of the stock market. And that's something that I always need to let people know when it comes to stocks too, is like put in money that you're comfortable losing And like Matt said, assume that it's gone. Assume that it is no longer your money until you pull that money back out. Because it is in the Ferris wheel. It's on the system. It's running around. It is at the carnival. It is not your money anymore. It's going to 
lose itself. It's going to gain itself. It's going in all different directions. And until you pull that money back out, it does not become real. It is completely fake. It's a Fugazi. It's a wazzy, it's a woozy. Hey, you know? there that was waiting for the <laughs> quote. There it is. There it is. But yeah, that that's really the first point is the mentality. You can't expect that you're gonna make money in the stock market. You might. And you know, if you sit there long enough, you probably will. But you know, don't assume it's gonna happen. The first stocks that I would really recommend buying um, are th- what they're called is exchange traded funds or ETFs. And essentially what they are is they're mutual funds that you can buy open on the stock market. What are mutual funds, Matt? They are basically a huge, imagine, so I'm a hotshot investor and I buy a hundred stocks. And then I say, my portfolio is so good I bet you'd want to invest in this exact same portfolio. And then people come along and they throw their money in that portfolio and the money goes in like a, like a dollar. And then it goes like a cheese grater and it gets spread out to all the different stocks essentially. So it's like a Santa gift bag of stocks. The tinsel is just on each one of them or something. I don't know. I'm trying to I mean, tie like, I guess Christmas you could think here. about it like a gift bag. Like, your money goes in through the hole, and then it goes, like, it's basically around this huge conglomeration of random shit. Yeah, because it's just a bunch of different stocks all in one bag that you're investing in that bag. I studied finance in college, and um, the first thing our professor said was, yeah, you know, you could buy and trade stocks or you could just buy the S&P 500 and probably do better on that. And I was like, but but professor, we're going to class. And he's like, yeah, I would just buy the S&P 500. And I was like, <laughs> how much money did I pay for this class? Um, <laughs> but it is actually true for the most, most of the time. So if you're an active investor, Best, if you're an active investor, you're actually going to underperform the market, which the market is this S&P 500 that I speak of, which is basically just the 500 biggest companies on the stock market. Um, okay, and that does so, pretty well. Yeah. And so now that we've invested some money in the stock market, Matt, what stocks are we buying? Why should we buy these stocks? And how does all of that work? I think the easiest way to buy stocks is um, the a strategy that actually works surprisingly well is just buy stock in companies that you are a consumer in. Yes. If you buy a lot of Lay's chips, dude, maybe you should buy Frito-Lay. I don't know. It sounds like a good idea. If you're a huge Coke fan, buy Coke, you know? Yeah, buy companies that you again, support, like Matt said, buy companies that you support, but you know that have good reputation so other people will support them. If you like Twitter way more than Facebook and Instagram, invest your money into Twitter. Don't throw that shit in, in Facebook. Like Zuckerberg's a Zuckerberg cuck, does not man. need more money. Also, I mean, don't invest stuff you don't think is cool. And I don't mean like don't invest in boring stuff, but like if you don't think that this new company is cool. If it doesn't get you excited, then I don't know why you throw money at it. You know what I mean? 
Okay, that brings me to a good question, Matt. How do we learn about these companies and why we should invest our stocks in them or why we should invest our money and buy their stocks? So what the pros do uh, is they just read the news every day. That's all they, they do. Re- they read the news? They read the news every Matt, day. Matt, we're talking to millennials and Gen Zs. Like They're not going to read the news. Uh, it's, it's, it is going to be tough <laughs> if, <laughs> to actively trade. If you don't read the news, I will say. Um, yeah. yeah, to back that up, you need to know what's going on in the business world. You need to know what's going on in society and happening around the com- the country because these companies, a lot of them, I mean, anything on the S&P 500 and in the stock market that you're going to be purchasing, they're national, if not international companies. So you need to know what's happening on a global scale, especially at the very least a national scale. So I, I was second that you need to find out some information. You can listen to different podcasts. You can listen to, I wouldn't listen to television news too much, but you can use the podcast. You can go online and read different articles. There's a lot of great information out there. You just need to kind of filter it through to find what you're interested in and what's going to match what you want to invest. Yeah. And the other thing that's a great thing for learning is after you've bought stocks, uh, I recommend just watching them every day. I know that can get kind of stressful because you're like, oh, no, I lost 1% today. How am I ever going to make this up? Yeah, one of my stocks is down today. You know, you, you're always just like, oh, shit, dude, I'm so fucked. Why did I do this? It's Why in the I red. I'm losing guys? money. I'm losing money. It shows me exactly how much money I've lost, too. It's almost 200 bucks on this one. Yeah, you know, um, I'm numb to that shit by now. I... I've had some tough losses and um, I think the easiest way though, if you want to really learn and learn kind of how patterns work with the news, if you watch your stocks and how they move in correlation with how, when you're reading the news, you'll maybe start to kind of get an idea of how stock market really works. I'm not going to say you're going to be a pro. You're definitely not going to be a pro. But it's going to help because, for example, my dad recently got into the stock market. My and, dad um, did too. <laughs> it, it was funny because my, my dad was like, sent me some information on this stock. He's like, you got to buy Palantir. You got to buy it. It's going to be so good. They're like an information company for Facebook. And I was like, oh, yeah, dad, I bought that two months ago. I've been traded on news pops, but uh, that, he, that's he's probably really cool though, because he, he actually takes the time to look at these companies and he researches kind of what they do. And he does a good strategy of he does, he invests in products that he may do. Like he wouldn't necessarily, he's not necessarily going to use DraftKings, but he understands it thoroughly that he might invest in it. Mm-hmm. So that's just backing up our point. You got to read, you got to learn the information. You got to know what's going on so that you know what stocks are going to be something that you want to invest in and something that's going to be worthwhile investing in. What you really need to do is also resist the fear of missing out. I cannot stress this enough. If everybody is telling you to buy and they're saying, buy, 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 like the Backstreet Boys. It was that NSYNC. 
No, it's the Backstreet Boys. Are you sure? But if they're saying bye, just remember this. They're not going to be telling you to sell when it comes that time. So you're on your own when it comes to taking profits. Hey, Matt. What? It was in sync. Damn it, it wasn't. Damn it. I let down my boy, JT. <laughs> I let him down. <sighs> Fuck. But no, that's that's a great, great, great tip, Matt. You definitely you definitely don't want to buy a stock because someone said something. Like people are saying you, you hey, don't want to buy a guy, uh, hey, on the street. Heard from a reliable source. This Bitcoin is gonna be worth more than gold. Uh, <laughs> like next month. So I bought I second mortgage my house for it. This guy said. Yeah, he no. said that's the move to make. No. Do your homework, do your own research. If you have some friends who are working in this area or are investing in this, you can listen to them a little bit, but always, always, always do your own research because at the end of the day, this is your money. And if you yeah. put it in based off somebody else's recommendation, you can consider that completely lost. It's already going to be lost when you put it in, but that's a total loss if you're basing it solely off of somebody else's intuition and information. Yeah, they are not at risk. So I'll tell you whatever the hell you want to hear. I mean, you should invest in penny stocks. Don't. Terrible idea. But, you know, just don't don't trade on someone says. Simon says, so I trade it, you know. Yeah, and it's okay to be scared with the stock market. Like we said earlier, you're throwing money away automatically when it goes into the stock market, Matt and I both have the mindset that this money is gone from our pockets and we've lost X amount of dollars that we've put in. You can get that money out. You can get possibly more money out, but sometimes you're going to lose it. So you can be scared. You can be kind of nervous. Again, that's what I always say. Invest what you are okay losing. Yeah. You know, sometimes timing is just not going to be right. Timing, say, say, timing is big with the you stock were like, market. Alex, I got a great idea. I'm going to invest a million dollars into the S&P 500 March 1st. And then a month later, March 1st, 2020. (laughs) And then a month later, you're like, Alex, I hate myself and I want to die. And you go, look, look, calm down, calm down. Keep your money there. Let it sit. I know it looks terrible right now. Yes. That's one of the other things with the stock market. Let it sit. Let it ride. Let it ride. ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. It's not about it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. A little more Matthew McConaughey. Maybe I don't know. That sounds like something he said. Is in the commercial like he has this long speech. I just I'm just picturing him rubbing his fingers, going like, "Mm, "I wasn't. I was driving Lincoln's way before I was ever paid to drive one." But yeah, no, but, let, let that money ride. Let it sit in there. It is a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to the stock market. And again, this is money for your future. You do not need this money now because you are setting it aside. You are throwing it out there. This is money for your future self. I mean, in that example, say you lost a shitload in a month, you would have already made it back. So you just have to hold on. You got to brace for impact, you know? Yeah. It's and- crazy. And you got to think logically about this too. This is the United States of America. This is a business and 
free market driven com- uh, country that is so heavily focused on making sure there's economic success all across the board. So yes, there was a recession. Yes, there's going to be crashes and bumps on the road. Things are going to go back up. Stocks are going to go back up. Not every company will. Not every organization is going to be successful. But if you really stick with it, you're going to make money. I think right now is a great time to invest in the S&P 500. Savings rates among individuals is at all-time highs. Uh, They're saving serious amounts of their income. Because they really don't have, I mean, I don't have shit to spend my money on. I, I'm not going to the bars. I'm not getting drunk with the bros. I'm not going to football games. Yeah, now is a great time because you should have a lot of extra money saved. Again, you're not going to concerts. You're not going to events. You're not going to parties and things like that in the bars. So take some of that money. Take care of all your expenses. Take care of everything else you need. Hopefully everybody still has a job. But then you can take that extra money, and that's when you start investing some of it. That's when you can start using some of it to make your future money. And what's going to happen is, so I'm, I'm thinking with my mat hat on, not my investor hat. This is my mat hat. Your mat hat. So I have, I've saved this money. And then once I can travel freely, I'm going to Vegas. I must do it. It is, it is my pilgrimage. Once I can freely gamble and everything. I mean, we've been talking about a Vegas trip for years, so I, I'm on, I'm with you. And then I put my investor hat back on. I'm investor now. Okay. A lot of people are probably thinking like that if they're saving all this money. So what happens is when these yeah, everybody wants to go on a trip right when COVID is done. You don't need to do that. Is gonna get crazy. What does spending mean? Spending means companies are gonna make shitloads of money. So I think it's a good time to invest. I, I see a good positive impact coming as long as the government does a stimulus plan. If they don't do a stimulus plan, then those savings are going to get eaten up by just living expenses. No, that's that's a wise tip right there. And I think we forgot one of the wisest and most important tips of the stock market in general. What's that? Buy low, sell high. <laughs> oh my God. Buy the dip. Buy the dip. <laughs> Did you know? So this is actually a crazy fact. Retail investors, which retail investors are you and me, are outperforming the market and market managers two to one right now. Really? On the stock market. They're making, market managers are making an average of 30% this year. Retail investors are making an average of 60% returns. Oh my goodness. Because. Those are some good numbers. Bloomberg um, basically thinks that they're what retail investors did is when travel companies just ate shit really hard, like all travel companies ate shit. The retail investors were like, ah, I'll invest still. They threw a ton of money at them. Now they're seeing huge gains because they're kind of coming back. Um, I'm not really sure how long they'll come back for. Uh, most the best companies at that time were just, can you pay your bills? All right, I'll invest in you. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't see retail investors always doing better, but may, maybe we're geniuses now. You know, maybe. Yeah. No, that's definitely possible. And 
I think, again, we go back to our earlier point. Now is a good time to start trying out some stocks. Start trying to invest a little bit. Once you have that money built up, we want to make sure that everybody gets a good payday at the end of life. They get they get to retirement and they know what they have some money. We want to make sure that you have that money. Start building it now. It starts in your young 20s. It starts even before that if you can. But set aside money. Really think about how to invest this in a smart way, but know that it's not always going to work out. So again, invest what you're willing to lose. Buy low, sell high. Just make sure that you're focusing and really trying to learn and do this properly. That's the, that's the biggest thing I think I can say is don't just throw it out there and think it's going to work every single time. You're going to lose some money, but really play the game as it's meant to be played. I think the easiest app right now, too, if you do want to start trading, is Robinhood. Um, the yep. only caveat with Robinhood is they are sketchy. So they don't actually have a support number. So if you need help, uh, piss off. See, I, um, I would go with a more trusted company. I went with TD Ameritrade. The you only know. problem, I do like TD Ameritrade. The only problem is your minimum deposit is $2,500. Yeah, so that's build up that nest egg and you're a little more comfortable. Robinhood, you can start with very minimal amounts of money. But for some young professionals who've had a few paychecks, uh, starting out in a year or two after they're, they graduated and got a job, that I think, again, now is a great time to really start setting some money aside and start building a bigger nest egg for yourself, a bigger savings account, and start setting yourself up with the money that you're going to need down the road to do all the things that you want to do. And... One kind of key thing to note here is um, say say I invested my money in Robinhood and then the tomorrow Robinhood's like, oh, shit, guys, we're bankrupt. Sorry, can't pay your money. Am I screwed? No, the government's got your back, Jack. Uncle Sam's got you. They're actually insured for a certain amount. I think it's up to two hundred and fifty or $500,000. So you'll be okay. You'll get your money. It just won't be probably within three months at least. So it'll take time. You want to know why you're really not screwed, Matt? Why? Because there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> That's my number one tip. That's rep. Number That's one, rep. number one money tip. There's number always tip. money in the banana stand. Can't beat that tip. Let's finish while we're on top. I think. All right. Mix that money pot up, ladies and gentlemen, and start investing, and making yourself some money. Make it some cheddar. Shut up. <laughs> oh my God.